Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Oh, yes, we can feel it. Welcome to a Repco Race Control a day early for the next couple of weeks because there's so much live sport coming on. Uh, tonight will be the Phoenix against the Jets and the A-League a little bit later on. Uh, and Murph is back in the house as always. So we're here till 9.30 this evening. Hey, Murph, how are you, buddy? Hey, bud. Yeah, good, thank you. Good show tonight. Very good show, and I, I will give you production rights on this one because you've uh, worked really hard today. Coming up shortly, Ryan Rock- Walkinshaw from WAAU Racing. Also, Simon Crafer. We've had the first round of MotoGP. That is pretty exciting. And then Justin Bell, a Toyota 86 driver, who finally cracked. He finally cracked Justin it. Allen. Justin, Justin Allen. Allen. What, what did Steve? I say? Justin Allen. I said Justin Bell. I don't know why he keeps saying Bell. I don't know why yeah, I, I keep know why. saying Bell. Okay, so Justin Allen coming your way yeah. around nine. There is a Justin Bell race car driver. That, that's what I'm confusing with, aren't I? I'm easily but he's conf- But he's not a New Zealander. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's fair enough. All righty. And, of course, uh, your chance tonight to go into the draw for a Repco beer pong table. All right? A Repco beer pong table. Uh, we're going to ask you this question. You can text us on the Timber Bedpost text line, double eight double three. If you had the choice of a rider to take you around a racetrack on two wheels, who would you want out of these names and why? Mark Marquez... Valentino Rossi, Jack Miller, Fabio Quattararo, or Aaron Slight. Who would you have, Murph, off the bat? Oh well, if I say if I don't say Aaron, he's going to get really you know peeved <laughs> and, and probably not talk to me anymore. All righty, okay. So I, yeah. for me, it would have to be the the great one. It would be Valentino Rossi. Anyway, let's start talking about supercars. What a weekend for WAU. He lines it up. Squirts it out the other side, hangs it off the rear tyre, and Chaz Mostert yeah, has picked yeah, up his mate. first well victory done. of 2022. Well done, Chaz. And after race two, Chaz Mostert is the championship leader in uh, Repco Supercars, which is pretty cool. We've got his boss on the line. Yes, and he has a similar hair colour to his uh, lead driver, and that is Ryan Walkinshaw. Hey, Ryan, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on board. I just want to say one thing. I don't know if you've seen Murph tweeting, but he actually called you Blondie, the Blondie of uh, race car. How about that, eh? Yeah, well, it's a lot nicer than when I called Greg behind his back, so it's fine. <laughs> That's lovely. Thank you, Ryan. Um, How you doing, mate? You good? Mate, uh, yeah, going great, mate. And uh, bloody good to see you back in Australia and at the, the first rounds of the season. Um, you finished incredibly at Bathurst, and that was just unbelievably sensational. You've started as you hoped you would after all the work that's been going on. I just want to step back, though, and ask you about the end of last year and that Bathurst victory. Now, you've been a part of it. Uh, You've been a part of it through, you know, for years with the Holden Racing Team, through your dad, the connections to it all, the amount of Bathurst. Actually, I should have probably found out how many overall the team has, has won. But how proud are you of this one, considering the changes, the evolution of, of the operation over over a period and, and also the fact that, you know, it was a struggle street there for quite a while. Yeah, look, um, you, I think every team owner is always going to be proud when they win Bathurst. It's, you know, it's the holy grail of, of every season in supercars. And, um, you know, when you ask fans who won the championship 15 years ago, um, you know, some of them will draw a blank face. Whereas when you ask them who won Bathurst, you know, they'll tell you who won it, who came second, who came third, and, you know, 10 or 15 different facts that, occurred during that race you know it's um it really is uh our flagship event and it's you know it's a very very special race to win um it's the second one that i've won i won it in my first season and i won it last year um but it's in a weird way this one feels more special than that um only because it feels like it was much more uh because of you know the work that we've been putting in as a team 
um, as opposed to you know just sort of what I inherited back from, from 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 my dad Tom. So it was a pretty special one for us. But I think the reason that it was most special was um, you know knowing that you know it's been a struggle for us for a couple of years, especially after losing the Holden Racing Team uh, title. Um, you know, we went through two two really really hard years, and then re- restructured the team with Michael and Zach, brought on um, some new drivers, new engineers, and um, you know, there's a huge amount of work that goes into the back uh, in the background to try and win a race like that. Um, you know, and it kind of felt like a bit of a, a a bit of a pivotal moment for the team that you know finally we uh, we you know won the race that we've been trying to win, win for the last few years. We'd come on the podium three times out of the last four, so there was a little bit of Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Um, but you know, last season we really made, a, you know, wanted to make a big statement. Um, you know, our performance was 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 you know there or thereabouts. We weren't necessarily fighting for the championship, but we we're we we're close behind Shane for a significant part of the season, um, and uh, and sort of in the mix a little bit. But um, yeah, halfway through it became our top focus to to go to Bathurst and to put all of our efforts into that race. And um, you know, fortunately. Um, you know, all that hard work paid off. Ryan, it's Stephen here. How heavy has that legacy of Dad and what's come before you, how heavy it is on your shoulders, or have, have you worked through that now that you're a com- completely different organisation? Oh, look, I think I've sort of grown out and matured out of that a little bit, you know, sort of caring about what other people think based on what my, my dad did. Have you did matured? Something I have you matured? Yeah, well, you know, no, I, I've, I've said I've matured out of that aspect. The rest of me is still very immature. Yeah. Um, okay. But... Uh, yeah, I think I sort of you know grown out, grown out of that. When I first started, obviously that was that was something that weighed on my shoulders the whole time. But yeah. you know, um, you know, in my business, uh, our family business, and, and our race team are both very different organisations than, than than what they were, and have grown in very different areas and different ways. So um, you know, I think uh, the weight on my shoulders is much more you know around the fans of the team and um, and my teammates really. You know, making sure that we I do make the right decisions so that we give the team the right opportunities to go and win things and, and, and do themselves and each other proud. You know, the the changes have been massive uh, through, obviously, going through that uh, that period of losing Holden and being the factory operation and then the connection uh, with new owners, um, with Mr Brown, Mr Andretti coming on board, the WAU, those changes, and then, obviously, m- massive shift and focus around people, your, you know, the obtaining of, of Chaz Mostert, which is was genius. Um, no one saw that one coming. It was just very clever. Um, and then and then going about, uh, you know, chasing the people and putting the people in the right place. And sometimes it's really tough to do that, obviously. But, you know, you've seen other teams and, and you've managed to get the good people from other teams. You've, you've done what you've had to do. I mean, it's, it's just, it's mammoth and it takes time. But man, you have got a powerhouse underneath you now. Yeah, it's nice to hear. I mean, I mean Greg, you've seen uh, you've seen our journey, and you know you've been part of it as well. You yep. know, in at several points in your career. So, um, you know, it means a lot, especially coming from uh, from from your mouth. But um, you know, I, I think uh, I, I don't want to get too carried away. Because you're right; it's it's all about people. And um, we've made the mistake of going and spending lots of money trying to find, you know, trying to approach big people from other teams in the past. And that wasn't actually the right strategy. You know, it was, it was about finding the right people, not just the big, the big people, the big names, yeah. um, you know, and, uh, and I always joke in, in, in my general business that business is easy. People are difficult. Um, and I think in, in motorsports or any sport in reality, I think it almost um, uh, exaggerates that. Um, because it's such a, a difficult working environment, and it's it's so reactive. You're always re- you know, reacting to what happens on a on a race weekend or after an AFL game or so on. Um, and there's a lot more out of your control. You know, you can't plan as well in in, in sports as you can in, in traditional business. So, um, you know, it's even more important to find the right people to be able to support you and create that team. Um, but the dynamics really positive in the team. You know, it's um, again, I don't want to you know count too many chickens too early, but. Uh, I think there's a lot of confidence and belief, which I think is important. And uh, I think anyone who's been involved in, a, in, in any sporting team, um, once you start believing in yourselves, um, you know, that's a really, really difficult thing to, 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 to culture and to nurture. Um, but when you have it, you know, it's, it's something which is really, really important. And I think we're at that, pa- that pa- uh, place now where last season we started realizing that we were getting there. The belief started building, the confidence in each other and ourselves all started developing as well. And then, you know, the icing on the cake was really when we got Bathurst and, uh, you know, we, we, we were nervous going into this round, actually, um, you know, because it's a bogey track for us, mm. SMP. We had a shocking time there last year and then decided, you know, halfway through the, 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 the four events that we had there that 
we're going to just start developing using what we're what we're trying to do back at base and, and use it to develop uh, the calf bathers. Um, you know, so you know, there's a little, there's a little bit of um, of, uh, of an uncertainty of what the performance was going to be. Um, we we're a little bit disappointed that it wasn't going to be Newcastle, and we're going straight to a bogey track. But you know, um, it actually turned out to be a, a, a good thing for us because you know we put everything that we learned into practice, um, and the results came. And you know, hopefully this would be a, an, another boost for the for the boys and, and the girls involved. And Ryan, taking your point about confidence and how important it is in sport because it's such an emotional game, how important going forward after the first opening round was you guys having the number one driver in the championship straight up? Um, well, we didn't think it was that important because we actually weren't too sure how we were going to perform. So we weren't focusing on that really. We were, we were actually focusing on just trying to make sure that um, we bled as little points as possible at that event, um, considering that our, our performance last year was, was, was so up and down there. So, um, you know, I think we, we all knew we were going to be better than last year, but, um, you know, I think there was actually a, a bit of surprise when we were, when we were fighting uh, right at the top. So um, that, was actually, that was actually quite encouraging um, because I don't think it was much, as much as an expectation. Um, and we weren't going in there, you know, expecting, hey, wouldn't it be great if we've got the orange number on, uh, on, on, the, on, on the front and, and rear, uh, mirror, uh, rear view uh, windscreen of our car going into round two. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't actually, we actually didn't think that was going to happen. So <laughs> we, weren't, we weren't trying to bank on its importance, if that makes sense. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm, I'm a big believer and, oh, and supporter and, and uh, really think that Nick Perkett is a is a super driver, fantastic talent, um, hasn't probably had the, the consistency on, on in the right place at the right time to, to show his full skill set. Um, so another great get, and, and it does obviously put your team into having two fantastic drivers, not, not a one and a two, you know, probably two number ones. Um, what was... You know, what did you say to him, or what did the team say to him after the weekend? Obviously, it was a first round for him in a new car with the new team, getting everything together. Didn't go, you know, that great. So, what was the? Uh, we know that it will. We know it'll improve, and he's going to make progress. What What yeah. was um, sort of the feedback with uh, with Nick and and the words spoken? Just to, you know, um, make sure that's controlled. That part of it's controlled, so that uh, you know, there's no sort of uh, downward spiral setting in early. Yeah, we, we've been quite clear with Nick um, what our expectations are, and um, and uh, you know Nick has matured a lot as a driver and as a person over yep. the last um, sort of seven or eight years since he used to drive for us. Um, and you're right, he's he's been in in, in some pretty uh, average cars at times, and you know and a, and a and an okay car, um, which definitely got some performance in the last couple of years um, at BJR, but was never really one that I don't think anyone thought he was going to be able to compete for a championship with. Um, and um, and uh, I think he will perform. You know, we we do believe in him, and that's why we went and got him. We wanted to go and ensure that we had two drivers of, of similar sort of caliber, uh, and uh, the ability that we'd have two two drivers that, um, in, in time, would be able to compete for the championship, and and two drivers that could try and win Bathurst. Um, so it was really really important and last season that we um, that we made that step. It was kind of the last step we felt we needed, along with bringing another engineer mm-hmm. in. Um, and we ended up getting Dr. Jeff Slater to, to follow him, which, you know, that, that guy's a very, very smart guy, and, and uh, we've got a lot of confidence oh, in what he's love too. Um, and uh, yeah. at the end of the day, um, you know, our cars were the biggest surprise, actually not biggest surprise, but a surprise was um, was what Nick was saying about how different our cars are to BJR, and he said that in the test day and, and said it again over the weekend. And um, I actually thought Nick drove very, very well in race one. You know, he made some huge ground, drove really, really, a really strong race. And was driving a really strong race in race two. The issue was qualifying. Um, one of them was a curb strike. And the other one was, um, you know, locking up the rears in, uh, in tough conditions. And, uh, and, and in his yeah. own words, driving, a bit, driving it too much like a BJR car. And he ended up in the Kitty Ledley. And unfortunately, that, um, that damaged his, um, his qualifying for, for, for race two. Um, but in the races, he was doing very well. And in fact, if he hadn't got um, got tapped by by Scott Pye, uh, we estimate he would have been, um, you know, close or, or fighting for a podium along with Chaz. But he was on a very similar strategy, and not that far back. So, um, you know, I think the results went uh, where Nick would want it to be or where we yeah. wanted to be. But we're working with Nick. We've got full confidence in what he's capable of. And um, you know, his harshest critic is himself, um, not us. So. We're there to support him, not to uh, you know throw the book at him and 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 you know start ranting and raving. Um, we're here to support him and show him we're going to give him and continue to give him everything he needs to uh, to to get to get uh, results, and then it's up to him to deliver. So that's how we work. 
Nuts and bolts. Uh, next round is Tasmania, the Super Sprint, 3 by 44 lappers, 26, 27 of March. Last year, Chaz podiumed in races one and three. Uh, yep. Knowing knowing that's a, a suitable track, you would expect more podiums. Yeah, well, that, that's what we would expect. Um, uh, hoping that we haven't uh, changed the car so much that we're suddenly good at SMP and crap at all the tracks that we used to be good at. So <laughs> fingers crossed that that's, um, that doesn't turn into reality. But um, yeah, we're quite, we're quite confident going into Tassie. Um, you know, it's, it's traditionally been a good track for us and for Holdens in general. Um, but uh, yeah. It's always competitive. There's a lot that can happen. The weather at the moment in Australia is all over the place. So, so who knows? We're gonna we're just gonna focus on ourselves and take uh, each race as it comes. Uh, hey, thanks, mate. One last question um, before we go. I just I just need an update on the score between Ryan Welcome Shaw and Optus versus Peter Edison and Boost and where the <laughs> where the stone throwing's at. All right, I just need a, I need an update. Um, so someone's keeping score. They have to be. Yeah, I think it's probably about twenty-eight nil to me. Um, uh, I, 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 there's no, there's no way that Addison scored a single point. I mean, I'm sure any rational person would be uh, would be looking at that and saying that uh, I'm kicking his ass. So, uh, yeah, it's actually a bit of a, it's actually a bit of a flogging. It's almost embarrassing for him. Wow! Really. So, wow! Uh, yeah. You, you, you knew something like that was coming. Hey, here's the song that Murph thinks you, this, this, this suits you. Have a quick listen. Well, have you seen his hair? For God's sake. This, this is just for you, Ryan, because we love what you do yeah. and you, Mate, you don't, you don't, you don't stick this to the rules, theme. man. So uh, thanks well, for... Ch- yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I've, I've, got, I've got a new bet with Chad that if he wins the championship, I'll dye my hair with, you know, the teal colour that he's dyed it currently. So he might be playing blue WDW dye at the end of the uh, <laughs> season. Jeez, I can't... Oh, please. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'll, I'll, whatever I have to do to help that make that happen, whatever I've got to do. <laughs> Ryan, that's thanks a, for your time, show. mate. Really appreciate it. Uh, good luck. Hey, thanks, brother. Plane. Thanks, heaps. No worries. Cheers, Jens. Have a good day. Bye. Ryan Walkinshaw. You know Tim what? I, you know what I like about him, Murph. He, he's not your standard sort of like team boss. He. he, he but nah. do you think that comes with age? Well, uh, definitely. I mean, and, and as he said, he's you know, and, and it's you can joke or not joke, but he has his maturity. I mean, you look what he's was trying to follow on from. You know, the, his his dad, man, his dad was. I mean, I was fortunate enough to deal and work and work for him and everything. I mean, Tom was. Tom was hard, man. He he was a he was a racer. Uh, he was a hard businessman. I mean, his, that was his world. That was his life. I mean, his achievements, what he's what he did. I mean, he um, there was uh, controversy through it as well. I mean, and but the whole racing team and without without him, you know, the success of the of that team throughout TWR through such a long period of time. Without him, I wouldn't have you know the Kmart racing thing wouldn't have happened. Oh, wow. Without him, I wouldn't have driven at HRT. Without and and there's other people as well, but Tom Walkinshaw was all part of that. And you know, Ryan was thrust into that world after Tom died and and had to start taking over. And you know, he's not gonna he's not gonna sort of pretend that. Yeah. Um, you know, he was. Uh, you know, he needed that maturity, need to learn, and he was probably playing with a big, a big toy set at the time, and really probably didn't make the most of it. But he's he's definitely come on strong. Is he like and, his dad? Um, Is he like his dad, mate? No, he's not like his dad at all. Wow. Okay. No, nothing like him. Well, I, you nothing know what? Like you sort of. He sounds so, like you know. Sounds like the sort of guy you'd want brilliant. to work for. Sounds like the sort of guy you'd want to work for. This is Repco Race Control yeah. with McIver and Murph. It's eight eighteen. If you'd like to be in to win that Repco Beer Pong table, just text us on the Timber Bedpost text line double eight double three. If you had the choice of a rider to take you around a track on two wheels, who would it be and why? Mark Marquez, Valentino Rossi, Jack Miller, Fabio Quattararo, or Aaron Slight. Texas on double eight double three, and you're going to win next week. Is going to roll this over to next week. Coming up, we'll talk more about supercars before we start talking two wheels with Simon Crafer. Yes, this is Repco Race Control with McIver and Murph. We're going to do a quick wrap-up of supercars before we have to go to another quick break so we can talk to Simon Crafer about one of our faves, which is MotoGP. After the weekend, Chaz Mossett leads the championship on 279 points. De Pasquale, 267. SVG, 252. Kostecki, 249. And Will Davison at 216. That's the top five, Murph. But the one thing we've got to talk about here on Race Control, uh, SVG's weekend. Right, that well, that weekend was a pretty cool weekend. Wins race one, but uh, that race two come from behind. Placing was a masterclass in control. Yep. Uh, which why would we why would we be surprised uh, for anything less from him? I mean, when I saw him slip off the track, um, I think every other driver in the field, there's no way they would have got out of out of that. I mean, there, it was 
I mean, how deep was the mud? How much water was off, off, off the circuit? And he made a mistake, which I didn't think I'd see that either in those conditions. I mean, if anyone's going to drive in tricky conditions like that, damp circuit on a slick tyre and be masterful, it's him. So that was the first surprise. He managed to get out of the mud. That was the second surprise. But again, not surprised, I suppose. <laughs> then they made a call to go to the pit and throw a wet tyre on. Uh, while others stayed out on the slick. And that proved to be a problem and a mistake. So by the time he went through that cycle, then got into the pit, put his uh, slick tyre back on, and then they had a pit problem where, the, where they lowered the car without the rear wheel on and all this kind of stuff. He was a lap and a half down. A lap and a half. Now, with 300-kilometre races, you know, anything can happen. You put your head down and you go. Um, and he put his head down, and he and he made the most of everything else that uh, was in front of him at the time. A couple of safety cars always gives you uh, a little bit of a helping hand. They played the strategy, and he fought his way back to six. So he comes out of the, of the weekend with a win and a sixth place. That's a pretty damn good result, and he's only a handful of points behind the championship leader. So amazing uh, result for SVG. Uh, and on Di Pasquale, uh, very, very consistent as well. Brody Kostecki, what a great weekend. Your yeah. team, Erebus, mate. You <laughs> are their, their latest and greatest mascot and, um, <laughs> and a big fan, to, and good does, reason why. Does, does that mean I have to be eat big burgers and have pies like Brody? Yeah. No. Well, hey, mate. Oh, you know, sorry. I know. It was just, just give him a, a break. Bit. Okay, sorry. Okay. Give him a break. I apologise. Give him a break. So, um, great weekend for those guys. Uh, again, a little bit similar to uh, WAU for Chaz coming out uh, and into a new season after a very solid mm. finish to last year and obviously Bathurst champion and follow up and uh, not be left, you know, in fifth or sixth position in the championship, um, still having to find or looking for a lot of speed. Uh, Erebus comes straight back out of the gate and shows great consistency. Brody Kostecki giving his, pole, his first pole position in the shootout. Sensational stuff. Another, you know, other standouts in there. Andre Heimgartner for yep. BJR. His weekend could have been so much better than what it was as well. Ran out of fuel on the last lap of the of the Sydney Super Night on Saturday night. Tim Slade started strongly. Brock Feeney. I, for me, overall, um, and there's a lot of great drives yeah. for the weekend, but Brock Feeney's uh, results to be in the top 10 at the end of his first full-time supercar gig yeah. with one of the biggest, if not the biggest team in supercars to be inside the 10, uh, I take my hat off to him. So he managed it very well, and he did not let other people push him around, which was the the best part about it. He did not let them push him around, and he, he stuck to his guns, and he said, I'm here, and you guys better watch out, so don't uh, treat me like a, a rookie. Yeah, love that. Uh, just a quick text on our temper bedpost text line from Erica to Ekatahuna. How come yep. McIver always drives the show? I hear Merv hates being a passenger. Uh, simple answer to that, Eric. He, <laughs> he hates being a passenger. That's good, Eric. Yeah, it is very good. 8.26, coming up next, Simon Eric, Crafer. he drives the show because... He's the he's the broadcaster, and I'm just the the person that talks. Uh, he's no, you know, I'm rubbish. the broadcaster. So he's the guy that actually knows what he's talking about. Eric, there you go. Simon Crafer okay, up next. Eight thirty one, and this is Repco Race Control with Stephen McIver, and uh, it's time to go. Well, on a two wheels. Have a listen to this. We're not going to have it. We're having a list of this. Okay. No, you need to listen to this. Is there a rebellion in MotoGP? Bastianini, Grassini Ducati, first. Brad Binder, KTM, second. Polo Spargo, Repsol Honda, third. Names that we're not used to seeing on the podium. So to answer the question, the man that is right there, pit lane, and now in commentary as well, our good friend Simon Craver. Hello, Simon. Did you see this one coming? Did you see that podium? Oh... I don't think anyone saw it. Uh, Bastianini, yeah. Uh, also, Martin, people knew that there was a chance because those boys are amazing. You know, they, 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 they can pull something special out of the bag on Sunday, uh, much like Brad Binder. But, uh, you know, I think overall it's Qatar and the flyaways at the beginning of the year often throw up um, different results. You know, it's not till we get back in Europe that the kind of championship settles down and you see um, the cream float to the top. Not saying those boys aren't cream because they, I think they're cream of the future, you know. So, but uh, g'day, mate. Thanks for coming on uh, this morning. I know you had a bit of a late night and um, celebrating uh, uh, family and daughter's birthday and, and you were still responding to my messages at, I think, after midnight your time after travelling back from Qatar. So you have been a bit busy, so I appreciate uh, you doing this um, for us. But, hey, I mean, gr- awesome to see 
a start like that. And uh, for Grassini, uh, Fasto uh, as well, you know, how the how that all happened and unfolded last year for that team to come out. And, and you're right, Bastanini has looked so strong. But, you know, what a, it is a fairy tale, though, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. You know, there was a lot of... Uh, wet eyes in the pit lane, not not just in their paddock, their, sorry, their garage. Their whole garage was crying. It was pretty emotional to watch after their team principal died, you know, of COVID, and then or the, the complications after, you know, and then uh, not knowing what they were going to do, whether they were going to carry on, and and the team kind of voted to to carry on, um, and you know they all wanted to keep wow. racing. Uh, his wife agreed went, okay, let's do it. And they didn't just stay in the smaller classes where they were, and they were partners with Aprilia. You know, they ran the Aprilia uh, official race team. So, But they went out on their own, got Ducatis, 21 model Ducatis, and uh, obviously a, a star young rider, and then turn up and win their first race. It was... <laughs> I think it was really emotional to watch for the whole pit lane. You know, everyone had a lump in their throat. It was was really cool. Simon, that's the crazy thing, right? They're riding 21 Ducatis, yet the factory team of Miller and Bugnaya don't even finish. How much is that a slap in the face to the factory Ducati team? I think it just shows how easy it is to get lost when you're... Well, we're not lost, but go off the wrong on the wrong trail when you're trying to improve, you know, because a 21 Ducati was the, the bike to be on, you know. It, it, all last year, especially towards the end, it was clear it was the best machine, you know, overall. and it, Not just the fastest, but it worked pretty much in all areas and uh, for the first time, really. And then to try and improve it, and really all they did was uh, all new engine internals made more power. The problem was it didn't deliver it as smooth, and this championship is all about getting the most out of the tyres you have. You know, it always has been. Even in my day before me, it's always been about getting the best out of the rubber you've got on the bike, and the power not being delivered as smoothly means it starts to spin up, spin up off the turn, you know, you know, rear wheel spin. Once they start spinning, apparently, because they've got so much power and torque, they don't hook up again, and, you know, all the way off the turn, so they lose that whole drive onto that straight. So, apparently, they've, they've been trying to fix it, you know, with bike set up, you know, putting more weight on it, but that affects other areas, and in general, they were just behind where the 21 bikes were, which is the second teams you know the satellite teams had the, ended up on the best machines in the paddock I mean I read you know there was a headline here uh, Benoit declares he is not a tester after Qatar MotoGP shocker and went about talking about how you know he the bike was changed in testing every single time it went out and it was just continuously being changed and they just he got lost I mean they just they never he didn't wasn't able to focus on his riding and his riding style um, at all um, through to after the you know the GP um, because they just continuously change things. I mean, isn't that isn't it, do you find that uh, in this modern time um, with you know these teams with all their the the people and the direction and the management and the all the stuff? I mean, I find that really surprising that he's come out and said that in this modern time in a team like that that they can still get it wrong. Yeah, it's a really good point, um, Murph, because it's always been the same. You know, you, you notice riders, if you leave them, you know, you find something they're comfortable with and leave them for over some time, they figure out how mm. to get more out of themselves. And if you keep changing the bike, they never get to that point where they're squeezing everything out of themselves because they're kind, constantly adjusting, you know, to the bike. And uh, I don't think he's making up... Um, you know, excuses for not performing. I, I really think it's true what he said. The team mm. kind of uh, apologised. But I think what it is, is um, it's the weight on the shoulders of factory riders. It's what your mm. job is. It's part of it is, is you know, choosing the parts that come through from the, the, the development team. You know, uh, so Michele Piero rides as a test rider for Ducati. They try and develop new things, pass it on to the team, the factory team, and part of your job is to try them, you know, and, and so the, the factory can go ahead. And uh, nobody comes up with more new parts than Ducati do. Maybe KTM, yeah. you know, equal it. 
Um, and it's easy to get lost. It's just part of being a factory writer and why it's sometimes better to be on a satellite machine as I was when I wrote that's just as good but it doesn't change you know because you're not getting all the new bits and you can just focus on your writing sometimes it's an advantage and you talk about new bikes the Repsol Honda are are brand new bikes I was reading that they they were both pretty happy with them I've got to talk about that that ride of Paul Espargo I mean he wasn't he wasn't out of the lead until the start of lap 19 what did you make of his of his ride at the weekend (laughs) it was magic he he mm. ran for his life, you know, that, and I know that feeling when, when you're in front and you're meant to think about, you know, race strategy and looking after your tyres, but <laughs> he got out there and he said he felt good and he just ran for his life. And the, the race time, meaning from start of the race to finish of the race, was 10, 11 seconds faster than last year. Wow. And we're on the same tyres. So, you know, the bikes have improved a little bit, but it, it was purely down to him stretching the pace the whole way through. There was no kind of lull in the middle where they try to conserve tyres and fuel. He just ran the whole way and everyone had to go with him. So, But he suffered at the end because of it, you know, running out of the, the amount of fuel you've got left so you can't have full power. And then the amount of tyres, I think that was the big one also for Marquez. A lot of other riders complained of front running out, front tyre running out of uh, grip at the end. But I think nobody predicted the pace like that, and that's why it happened. Yeah, amazing pace. Um, great to see, albeit there's clearly still work to do, great to see uh, another manufacturer, Suzuki, getting on top of some of this, uh, you know, the horsepower woes that um, have been plaguing them for, for quite a while. On the flip side, uh, Yamaha don't seem to have been managed to uh, get their uh, M1 sorted out too well. Um just it's it's incredible to see the the pros and cons that are going up and down the the world champion not looking very happy. Yeah, that's really interesting because Suzuki and Yamaha at the end of the year were pretty much in the same boat. They were very similar speed, very mm. similar. Uh, what's their, their weaknesses were. Uh, the same, meaning they, they're both in lines, uh, not V4s, so, yep. you know, four yep. across the chassis, and they were lagging behind the V4s in the fight of the race, so they can keep their, if they can keep their corner speed like in qualifying, nobody in front, they're, they're really good because the bikes handle so well, but as soon as they're in a fight with the V4s that are stopping in the middle of the turn, they lose out, you know, and, and get passed down the straight, and they've got to try and make up on the Brakes overcooked their front tyres, and we saw it a lot at the end of last year, or all year, with the Suzukis as well, um, and the last couple of years, really. So Suzuki have gone and, you know, made a step forward and fixed the problem, you know, with the right height device, it makes the rear squat lower centre gravity, get better acceleration, and their engine's better performing. I think they've done something aero-wise as well, because their top speed's better as well, like a good, a good amount. Then Yamaha haven't it's like Fabio's running the same bike and mm. I feel really sorry for him where I think Rins and Mir, um they didn't have a good one on Sunday night but I think that I've got a suspicion that's down to fuel meaning they couldn't run enough power the Gosh. race to make their guys um, competitive and yep. they did have, have front tyre hassles all I'm saying I think watch the Suzuki's this year they're going to really do you know do some good results and I think fight for the championship especially with Mia because he's so clever and consistent you know but on the other side Fabio and all the Yamahas they're in real trouble because they were already in trouble at the end of last year and only getting the results and winning the championship because of Fabio's brilliance you know taking big risks and qualifying to get on the front row or second row and then running, like I said, getting out front and running so he didn't have to be in the fight. And I don't think they've got the speed now to do that. And uh, one more thing about Fabio is, and I've said it over the weekend, is a rider can only stay professional and keep his focus and head together for so long getting his butt kicked every weekend when he knows he's good enough to win. Uh, You know, I think... Fabio's doing a great job right now, being professional and focusing on his job, but eventually I think he's going to blow up because mm. it's so hard to, to keep getting bad results when you know you, you can you can win, you know. So really sad Yamaha haven't been able to step up because their bike 
has been awesome for years, and I think now it's just at the end of its uh, end of its time, you know, at the front. Simon, of the 18 bikes that finished, uh, Remy Gardner on debut in the KTM Tech 3 uh, finished 15th. What did you make of that ride in his first big outing? Yeah, really good. And I told him, I bumped into him on the way out of the paddock. Um, he was not happy at all. He's like, no. Nah. And I said, what, you expected more? And he goes, yeah, you know, like he wanted to be closer. Um, but, I mean, that's only a good thing, isn't it? You know, it would be a worry if you, he was jumping up and down like he'd won the championship. Uh, he is a clever boy, like a hard worker, methodical. And I'm really pleased to see him come out on top of the the rookie pile at the end of the weekend and he did it with a recently fractured wrist and as I was talking to his mm. mechanics and um, they were really happy with his effort and said you know and he did that you know really suffering you know because to ride those things all weekend um, it's never really had time to to heal properly because he did it right before testing started and he's had to test and race so I think great job and you know one more thing um, the KTM isn't the most refined bike at the, at the moment. It, it, it's it's the newest machine. It isn't the bike to be on, you know. And he has got a second-rate one in the satellite team. They haven't got the latest bits, I can see. They haven't got the newest swing arm, for example, that's meant to get more grip, a couple other things. And he, he does that, you know. It's a really good effort from the Aussie. And key, too, is... You only learn if you stay on the bloody thing, and I can only imagine how difficult that is. So for him, Raul uh, Fernandez and the other rookies, those that stayed on their bikes, I mean, that that's just an achievement in itself, uh, I would imagine. That, I mean, if you're dead right, because like I said, everybody had tyre issues towards the end of the race it's a, because of the pace uh, Spargaro was setting, everyone having to burn them up, um, and... A lot of guys didn't stay on their bikes, even Peko Vanyaya, who is a, oh, I mean, he's famous for not making mistakes and, you know, being super accurate, you know, bang, bang, doing the same thing every lap. And even he made a mistake. A lot of other, I think Mark, uh, Marquez, you could see him just trying to stay on the bike and get points, you know, mm. um, because he didn't have grip. And for rookies to manage that in their debut, you know, like... They're really impressive, yeah. So good yeah, on them. Huge. Um, hey, mate, uh, one just quick last question. And uh, obviously, I picked up on it after I was uh, watching qualifying. Um, you've had a uh, um, you know a pay increase <laughs> or a job change, no. one or the other. <laughs> not I'm not yet. sure which. Um, yeah, bit of a sh- bit of a shock. Maybe not the pay increase, but a job, a bit of a job change. Um, yeah. You're doing some the com work in the com box. So you, you're you're flicking between pit lane and the com box now, mate. Yeah. Uh, fantastic job, as I told you. I thought it was fantastic hearing you in there. Having a rider with that knowledge and the knowledge that you garner from the pit lane in the com box, um, I hope to see you doing more of that. I think you should actually be doing the races. Um, at the end of last year, when they said, well, Steve was leaving, um, he was in the box with Matt, you know, all last year, as you know. Uh, when he was leaving, they said, hey, do you want some time in the box, you know, uh, next year? And I was, I said, yeah, okay, but not the race. I'm not ready. You know, I genuinely said that. I don't, I don't want to do the race yet. I don't want to be ready when I, if I ever step into that position. Um, and, you know, you need time in the box before you just jump in and jump into the race. So uh, I said I need FP1 and FP3. So they're the morning sessions, and that's when you see the new tech on the bikes. And I want to know that. I want to be there to see what the teams are running. They said that makes sense. And then uh, a few months later, the sheet came out for the year, and they gave me everything else. <laughs> so, so uh, <laughs> FP3, F, uh, sorry, FP, FP2, FP4, and <laughs> Q1, Q2, and all the qualifying, you know, for the other sessions as well. Murph, I was genuinely nervous. I didn't even sleep the night before. I reckon two hours. <laughs> but <laughs> because, uh, you know, just jumping in there, it's easy to, to make mistakes and get crucified you know by everybody so but i survived so i'm really happy about that and it'll be hopefully less nervous sleep better on the next one simon we're the lucky ones because we because <laughs> we get to we get we get the uh the joy of your knowledge and as always it's so, such a pleasure to chat thanks for doing this again you know somewhere along the season we're going to ring you again so don't be surprised when you get a text from earth but i trust you the birthday went well and we shall talk again hey no problem hey, thanks, at all. I, I don't mind at all 
There you go. You're Go and have your coffee. Good to talk to you. Simon Crafer, direct out of Andorra. More coming your way in a moment here on Ripco Race Control. Eight fifty-two. This is Repco Race Control with McIver and Murphy on another Wednesday evening, and we're going to do Wednesday next week as well. But it'll be eight or ten. If you would like to try and win the Repco Bear Pong Table, all you got to do is tell us who you'd like to take you around the track on two wheels and why out of these people: Mark Marquez, Valentina Rossi, yes please, Jack Miller, Fabio Quattro, or Aaron Slide. Murph's already gone. Aaron Slide. I've gone. Valentina Rossi. What That's do you think? That's a true guilt. <laughs> yeah, but okay, if there was no guilt involved, who Jack would Jack you... Miller. Why? Does great wheel he does great stoppies and great wheelies. Yeah, okay. I was gonna put your name in here because I know you love riding around two wheels. But I just, No, I wouldn't I I wouldn't I couldn't I, do I, it. I, tell I couldn't you. put you in that company, I'm sorry. No, and I and I wouldn't trust myself. Really? Oh yeah, they and no one should trust me either. Why on a is bike. that? Because... Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'd probably just do something stupid. No, that's okay. Hey, uh, Nikita Mazepin, uh, gone from Haas. Uh, no surprise there. Well, Disappointing for so him. So is McDonald's. P- pardon? <laughs> so McDonald's has gone from Russia too, so, you know. Oh, yeah. But the same know, thing. But the interesting thing, the uh, young Pietro Fittipaldi is being talked about. But another name that popped Bet up today, Paul. Oscar Piastri, potentially. But that's a name that popped up. Popped up. And uh, that would be a bloody good option. I mean, uh, that would be exciting. With, we know he's with Renault. He's their reserve. Is he their reserve driver? Yeah, he's a Renault reserve driver. But you yeah, think but they might um, give him some experience? Who knows? But yeah, I mean, it's it's this. I mean, the whole whole uh, war over there, which is just unbelievably mm, horrible. I don't know how to explain it. It really is, um, and just like oh. everybody else, it's just leaves your leaves your brain hurting. Um, and I, it's it's being pushed through into sport all over the world, and 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 and, and lots of other things. So Nikita has been, uh, yeah, pushed to one side. Uh, I think we probably saw that coming. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, let Fittipaldi in the door, and that's you know that's that's a huge ask for that young man. Not, to, not uh, guaranteed, Murphy. He's not guaranteed the seat though. They're saying he'll test in Bahrain. Still not guaranteed the seat. They have come out and said they would like someone with a little more experience so Giovinazzi mm. maybe you know yeah well yeah exactly there's a few around that could jump in that car quite easily and, and do the job no no question about it so yeah we'll wait and see what happens there but I mean again Haas, Haas aren't uh, favourites for the uh, the season so I don't think too many people will be paying too much yeah. attention to it because this, this that raised that question I'm working about 50 seconds left for this hour but you know when you think about it, new cars you know Maybe they've spent, they spent all last year developing their own car. Maybe just maybe they might we might be see nice. improvement, wouldn't it? It would be great. It'd be great to see that. I th- what I'm finding more entertaining at the moment is the Red Bull versus Mercedes show, which is ongoing. They're throwing more rocks at each other. Wolf has come <laughs> out and said Massey had a bromance with Red Bull sporting director, and then Horn has come out and said Mercedes bullying led to Massey dumping. So that is ongoing. It's not going to seemingly end anytime soon because they are blaming each other for it as they have done all the way through. And it is it's actually a soap opera of rubbish. It really, really is. It's a little childish. I'm a bit sick of the whole thing. Well, hang on. Do, do, do you think they're playing the, into the whole the Drive to Survive thing? The new the series is coming out soon. Is it out yet? Oh, have well, you, maybe you, they are. Have it No, I haven't watched the stuff. Sanjay, has it dropped yet? Has Drive to Survive dropped yet? Oh, next week. Oh, next week. But there is another... There is another doco, uh, Hamilton versus Verstappen docuseries premieres. That was a couple of days ago. Some, so that's up now. So that'll be interesting. But I, I'm, I'm just over these two and over these companies, um, you know, arguing and throwing rocks around, you know, what they both were probably blamed <laughs> or could have you, been blamed Matt, come for on. doing. You know the game we're in. It's all part of the fun. It's all part of the act yeah, to get well, people talking about it. It's not it. fun. It's not fun for people like Michael Massey, who's just trying to no. do a job. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. All right, 8.56 yeah. back shortly after 9 o'clock. We're whizzing what through, time we? Is. We are whizzing through. Whizzing. Justin Allen? Right, Justin Allen. Don't eight. call him Bell. I didn't. You just said Bell. I said Allen. You did earlier. Oh, you did earlier. Stop it. Just gone nine o'clock with Repco Race Control, and oh, oh my goodness, you can't see it, I can see it, but Murph was busting out some moves. You like it, but just be honest with me, mate. You love a little bit of disco, don't you? Come on. Oh, oh. listen to it. Come on, this, l- listen. I can't to- confirm or deny. 
<laughs> Can't confirm or deny. Okay. I refuse to be implicated in your in your music listening tastes. Oh, you know, I was I was a, a DJ, as you say, a, a, in the eighties, and you know the eighties were great. But I, <laughs> oh man, well, why would you think I put out Rebel Yell by Billy Idol earlier on, and, and I just love a bit of disco. Hey, um, big changes there have been in the off season with supercars, but I just we just noticed uh, dropping tonight. Uh, I think we were both looking at the motorsport.com, but uh, a guy that you have worked with for a number of years, and probably one of the most talented TV people. And in trans Tasman, probably global motorsport, Nathan Prendergast, the, the guy behind Supercars TV coverage, is pulling the pin, leaving mid season. Did yeah. that come as a surprise to you? Um, yeah, I, th- I did uh, just seeing reading the, the headline for sure, but then again, um, I know uh, Nathan is very driven, he's got huge connections, uh, he does work uh, and has done a lot of work overseas. Excuse me, as well um, doing other things, and he's got a relationship with uh, Red Bull Television, and and just knows people because he is regarded so highly. Yeah. So um, you know, I, I think you you know how long do you stay in a role when you're someone like him? Maybe you stay there forever. I don't know, but um, clearly, uh, based on what I read, and and he's not someone to um, not tell the truth. So uh, you know, he's obviously got something else, another opportunity, another offer that's um, leading him uh, further afield. For but people- we supercars will be. Will be, um, you know, uh, not the same without them. Yeah. So, can you explain Nathan's role? Because I, I, I'm. They say supercar TV boss is the what I would call in our game the executive producer. Does he overlook or does he get his hands dirty and directs as well? Uh, He doesn't do so much of that. He was. I mean, he directed. He was the director um, of of the the show before he took this role. Um, but now he basically is the boss of, uh, or general manager, basically of, of television, yeah. and uh, everything goes past him when it's got something to do with, with uh, what's going on and what's being produced and what is being uh, delivered to our television. So, you know, uh, he he's he is he's just a oh I don't think I'm wrong saying he's a, he's a real genius in, in that in that space, and uh, he has moved on moved the television on from what it was before. Uh, Simon Fordham had the job before him, who was fantastic as well. Very good, and Nathan's taken it through, uh, a, a, you know, metamorphosis based on his knowledge and his experience as a director and doing those things. So, continuously changing, changing the the um, the program, and you know, he's done a. He's done a superb job. He'll be sorely missed within the fraternity and within the television because he's respected by everybody, um, respected by everybody, all the cameramen, uh, all the other producers, all, all, everyone that is underneath him respects him greatly. So, um, you know, they'll, they'll miss him. And so from, and I'm intrigued for this part of it because you came into television, you know, you're the rookie, you're the, you're the fresh blood, and you have, you've crafted an amazing career out of it. But when you go into that environment, which can be probably a little white hot, what made the difference having him around to make your transition that much easier? Well, I went through three uh, different bosses at my time <laughs> at uh, wow. Supercar Television. So the first guy was Scott Young, who I knew from from way back when, uh, known him for a very long time. He was at Channel 10 for v- a very long time when Channel 10 uh, had the TV coverage of Supercars. Uh, and he actually gave me the job and got me into uh, Supercars Television. And then Simon Fordham took over from him, so I was under him, and then under finally under, under Nathan for a couple of years as well. So, you know, um, quite a, uh, a full-on sort of transition for that space, but you know uh, Nathan, yeah, was was just great, great guidance, great uh, sort of mentor, and in, in, in providing you know uh, knowledge and information and and um, you know advice. So you know, just uh, easy guy, easy guy to be around. Yeah, very easy guy. That, that so is, very is... entertaining, very funny, and uh, incredibly likable. Yeah, that's going to be a big loss. Let's uh, keep talking two wheels because I was, I know we've got Superbike season coming up. Uh, they've got. Uh, the Catalonia test coming up on the March the 25th and 26th. This is World Superbikes. And I'm intrigued to hear what uh, Toprak Radzagiloglu has said about the new bike. He says, uh, everything's new. Uh, it's better. Traction control, anti-wheelies. He is genuinely excited. Now, that's on the old bike that they're putting the new bits on. A bit like what Simon was talking about with what was happening with uh, Ducati. He'll ride the 2022 mm. bike at the Catalunya test, but isn't that a hell of a warning if they get it right? Yeah, and on the flip side, MotoGP, we're, we're talking with Simon before about uh, Yamaha, and um, they have not done enough. They haven't pushed on and 
And that's the difference between, um, you know, the Formula One of motorbikes and the, oh, how would you put it? Um, well, you could call it F2, the F2 of bikes. The supercars of motorbikes. So, you know, you've, you've, you know, these are based off production bikes with lots of modifications to them and, um, and versus, you know, the Formula One of motorbikes where they are just a ground up um, brand new uh, bespoke machine. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how these guys, how they go, but. Listen, I mean, he he would have to go into the championship um, as the favourite, wouldn't he? I yep. mean, yep. I don't see why he wouldn't. I mean, he just the the flamboyance of the man on a bike and what he achieved last year and how exciting he was and how fearless he was. Um, if they've made his bike better, I'm sure Kawasaki have made uh, Jonathan Ray's bike better. I'm sure the Ducati's better. I'm sure they're all um, improved. And, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens. I, I want to see these guys get onto the track. We've got IndyCar going, nearly Formula One going. We've got MotoGP going, Supercars going. Uh, let's get WSPK going as well and see what's going to happen. It was, it was interesting to read that uh, uh, Jonathan Ray was saying, you know, that their their attention is still to winning, winning, winning. Quote, it just says it's an addiction. And the one thing that you and I discussed about a lot, and it was the fact that Top Rack probably rekindled maybe a fire in Jonathan Ray that was waning after so many championships because he mm. they are they are dead set want to go and win that championship again. The Quackers. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really great way of looking at it. I mean, you've you've had this dominance. Uh, it's hard to. You know, when you're winning, 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 I mean, you, the only place to go is down, right? And mm-hmm. you do need that kick in, you know, kick up the ass to, to you know, maybe start looking for new things and exploring places that you haven't been before and having that motivation again, you know, that full motivation. I mean, it's 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 so easy to say that, well, how could you not be motivated while you're winning? But you but I think you, you, you maybe you just don't push as hard. Maybe you start to fall a little bit and... Um, you know, and straight away, you know, it, losing sometimes is the best piece of medicine you can possibly get. And, uh, hey, uh, yeah, that means that uh, those guys, and if Jonathan, Jonathan Ray, I mean, I don't oh, think yeah. the guy needs uh, too much motivation, <laughs> does he? I mean, he, he, he's just one of those naturally gifted uh, sportsmen that um, uh, the only place he, he, he can be is at the top. And uh, just quickly, British Superbikes, uh, which we love because the tracks are so small and they, they drive like maniacs. But I was surprised to see that Tom <laughs> Sykes, uh, the former world champ in Superbikes back in 2013, is going back to his old team in British Superbikes, PBM Ducati, and he's going to join Josh Brooks, who finished sixth last season. That's going to be a hell of a strong team in British Superbikes. Yeah, it will be. And, I mean, he's he's had a, a troubled Plus, mm. it's well, a very good seasons? way of putting it's quite it. A few it's a very good way of putting it. Yeah. Troubled. Yeah, it's, it's, it really has been, and um, for for him, for Sykes, and so I mean, I hope he I hope he goes back to something and and finds his mojo and and and, and enjoys his motorcycling again because um, yeah, it just. You know, I don't know what happened really. I mean, there is some stuff on on the net at the moment. Um, uh, uh, talking about that and, and some flashbacks and stuff with, with Tom Sykes. So, you know, it'd be interesting to actually watch some of that and understand, you know, um, you know what happened and, and maybe, uh, you know, try and get a bit of a, a gauge on yeah. on um, what all sort of didn't go right. We do love it, though. We do love it. And Taryn McKenzie is actually fit to uh, do the first test. There are going to be three tests. Uh, the first round is 15th through 17th of April. That's a little way off at Silverstone. Uh, there are three tests before that at Snetterton, Donington Park, and Silverstone. Okay, and the, of course, BSB and Superbikes, World Superbikes are on Sky Sport. All right, stick around. This is Repco Race Control. It's coming up to 10 minutes past nine. Just a reminder if you would like to go on the draw to win that Repco beer pong table, all you have to do is tell. Well, actually, we were having a discussion. I was with uh, Beeve and Kirsty beforehand. What would you would you put beer in your beer pong table? Because he was thinking he'd put Waikato Draft. Which I don't really call beer. What do you mm. what do you drink down in the bay? Like what's the what's the what's the go to down there for your beer pong? Because <laughs> <laughs> because because on a quiet Saturday afternoon, that's what I choose to do <laughs> uh, is set up my beer pong table and 
and just have a couple of rounds with me mates doing. Well, their actually, pong. let me just. So remind. I don't know what you think I do or what you no, might in my spare time. It was more than just what brew would you put on? Because I'll tell you what: when your boys come back from university and you say, "Lads, let's mm. play some beer pong," uh, they're going to say, "You're on, Dad," and they'll probably beat you up. <laughs> Yeah, so probably. you don't have a local brew down there? Like, is it a Tui down that way, or no? What is it? Well, yeah, I, or is well, it a craft? Or do you live in the craft beer space? No, I don't. I don't do. I, I'm, I, you know, I come yeah. and go with beers. To be honest, you no, know? yeah, no, no. I'm the odd uh, little, the odd little gin out on the balcony, Stephen, is probably more me these days. <laughs> is that after? Is that after Jeeves has cut the lawns at the estate? Is it? <laughs> That's correct. Nine uh, eleven. So the question: If you had a choice of rider to take you around the track on two wheels, who would it be out of these names and why? Mark Marquez, Valentino Rossi, Jack Miller, Fabio Quattararo, or Aaron Slight. The Temper Bedpost text line is double eight double three. Tell us why you've been on to... the back of a bike with Aaron. Oh, you I have? have been on the back of a motorbike oh, okay. around Hampton Downs. And yeah, fair packing it's yourself. Terrifying. Oh. Sh- Absolutely. <laughs> Greg f- Rust. Greg Rust has been on the back of a MotoGP bike, I think either with Randy Mamola or oh, wow. someone around Phillip Island. Yeah, no, that, yeah, no, 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 no thanks. Yeah. No thanks. All right, so there's no. your chance to go to the draw to win that beer pong table next week because next week we are on at 8 to 10 on Wednesday again because there's so much live sport about. But don't, be, don't panic. We will be back on our Thursday as quick as you can sneeze. I don't think anyone's panicking. I don't think anyone's panicking. Okay, nine twelve. Justin Allen is next. Nine seventeen at the weekend. It was round four of the Toyota eighty six championship, which is a whole heap of fun. And they've got a really, really strong lineup. And one man finally cracked it. Got his first ever win. In fact, he didn't finish there. He got not one, but two wins out of the three races at the weekend. And that was Justin Allen. He joins us now here on Repco Race Control. Evening to you, mate. Evening, guys. How are you? Oh, we are go- we are good. It's only taken you what uh, four years to get your first win. That must feel great. Uh, absolutely over the moon. It was a fantastic weekend, especially getting that first one and then obviously getting that second one in, in the final race as well. It was, yeah, as you say, it's been four years and really <laughs> good to get the monkey off the bat. <laughs> listen to the listen to the, the, big the weight off the shoulder. It wasn't just a monkey. It sounded like it was a gorilla coming off the shoulder <laughs> there, Chief. Um, <laughs> mate, uh, listen... No, you're not the oldest in the field. John Penny is the oldest in the field, right? We won't go that far. But uh, uh, and other than John, I'm, I'm just checking. Yeah, you're the only dad, aren't you? Oh, well, probably apart from Mark as well. you got Mark Mallard out there as well. But Oh, of course we have. Yeah, I, think I shouldn't I'm, say that. Yeah. I, I think I'm, de- I'm definitely the highest father up the, up the list at the moment. So that's a pretty proud <laughs> achievement, especially being a father of two as well. So what's so, it? What, yeah, no. what do you put this all down to, mate? What do you put it down to? Um, you know, you've been around for a little while, uh, not, well, not that long, but um, you know, it's been uh, an interesting few seasons for you, and and you've come out this this year swinging, absolutely swinging, and looking competitive right from the outset this season. We're four rounds in, um, and you know, uh, it's just been a, a pretty stellar kind of year so far. What's the what's the trick? Wish I could tell you. Honestly, it's it's been simply we've had exactly the same engineering and um, mechanic lineup with IMS with myself um, this year. So it's it's great having exactly what we had last year and just building on that. And this year, it's just everything's clicked. We've had a quick car right from round one at Highlands, and it's just been a dream car to drive. It's made me so relaxed as well and I think that's just showing out there I'm just enjoying every single lap out there um, racing against pretty much the best tin top drivers in the country at the moment Justin this is a family affair though right the every just about every member of the family is involved oh absolutely like especially those early days you know my father was was certainly the biggest part of getting into to what I've done um, and he's been my biggest supporter up until uh, even you know up until on the weekend as well they were lucky enough to come up and 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 see, see me win, win my first race in the 86s um, as well as my mother as well of course so um, and now having my, my family at home as well I'd love to have um, 
my fiance Paris and, and the two boys here in Leon as well um, come to the track and support because family support it, 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 it's another level on top of just your friends that, that's for sure and just your team so it, it's a huge support so um, from here, mate, uh, two rounds left. Um, obviously, the goals are continue to to win. And, uh, you know, what would happen if you won this championship and you got uh, the opportunity to go and uh, test a Triple Eight supercar? I mean, what, what would that mean to you? What do you, where, do you where do you think it would it would lead if, if that uh, was um, what happened at the end of the season? Oh, for starters, it'll be, it'll be, it's the ultimate dream, isn't it? It's the ultimate dream. I've been, I've been, I've been dreaming of getting, getting the chance to drive a supercar since, you know, since I was, you know, a young, young man. Uh, so for me, it would mean the absolute world, and hopefully it'd allow me um, access to go, over, to go over to Australia and compete, whether it be in the '86 Championship over there and. And, and go from there, and even maybe get into some endurance drives, or who, who knows what what the future may hold. But let, let's get these final two rounds out of the way at, at Taupo and Hampton, and uh, hope, hopefully we're definitely um, somewhere in that top three, if not um, definitely fighting for that championship win like we are now. Well, you're in the top three now, mate. Uh, Rowan Shepherd seven sixty seven, Simon Evans seven fifty three, and you on seven thirty eight. You go to Taupo. Yeah, there's there's nothing in it, Murph. I mean, Justin, what do you need to do in Taupo apart from win? I mean, how do you how much of that? How does that track on the car? Uh, it's it's certainly a driver's track, Taupo. It's certainly a driver's track. So um, it's definitely going to be about getting getting that set up on the Friday, getting 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 in tune with the car and the track, and and obviously getting a real good qualifying position on on Saturday morning will definitely be important. Um, and then obviously just minimising um, how far you know how far forward we can go, sort of thing in that reverse reverse top ten, depending on where we finish in race one, and just basically get as many points as we can and go to Hampton and, and hopefully still be in the position we are now. Mate, um, th- this this little championship, I mean, it's uh, obviously growing this year, more cars in it than ever before, um, big prizes, a lot of people supporting it. Toyota do an amazing job with it, as, as we know, um, you know, giving uh, this class the opportunity to, to, to provide, you know, uh, a place for the talent to go and use it as a stepping stone. Um you know, as far as the racing from your perspective, you know, how much is it teaching you and how much are these cars teaching you to be a better driver? Oh, without a doubt, the one of the best tin top classes in New Zealand to, to learn both racecraft, to learn um, how to obviously learn technical data with an engineer um, and provide that feedback as well. So you can obviously improve the car, not just, um, not just via your feel, but you're also looking... You're looking all the squiggly lines, so to speak, with, with your engineer and, and, and getting those last tenths out um, every single session. You know, you look at everybody after every session, they're sitting down with the engineers, they're sitting down, basically learning where they can get that little bit faster, a little bit faster, and it creates, obviously, you've all seen it, it's it's just amazingly close racing. You know, there was, you know, barely a second between, you know, I think it was the top 16 cars at, at Pukekohe, and it was basically a train of cars just, you know, looking for that one mistake and they could move up a position which it, it makes it the best best tin top class in New Zealand at the moment, that's for sure. All right, mate. Well, we wish you the best of luck. We shall see you uh, in Taupo, 25 through 27. It's also the final of the Road and Super GT Series. Thanks for your time, mate. Keep keep pushing. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Justin Allen here on Repco Race, Race Control. And by the way, uh, who's sitting in second position, Simon Evans. Just a little shout-out to Simon and his partner, Hannah, expecting their first wee bubby very soon. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's great news. It is fantastic news. Uh, his dad, oh, his, his dad uh, Owen Evans, uh, told me the other day, and he's one very excited uh, granddad soon to be. It's 9.24. We'll wrap up the show with news that we should. Would you stop slapping those mozzies at your place? Uh, we'll, we'll, Sorry, be back, we'll be back shortly. No, we, you want us to just keep talking? I, I thought we had a... No, do, do we not have any... Um, oh, is there, I thought we had another break to go. Oh, we have no other break to go. Oh, you're killing me. Well, you're trying to get Sanjay, out early. Sanjay talked to me in my head, or am I talking to myself? Are you talking to me on Probably air? Talking to yourself. Are you talking to me on hey, my if head? If we're going to continue, uh, if we're going to continue, <laughs> uh, we did mention it. We did. We did mention it on Sky Speed uh, last night. But I did. I do see. I've just come up in front of me on my computer screen. Um, we talked about um, Tony Stewart selling his house in Indiana, didn't we? On Sky Speed. 
Yes, we did. And, and I looked at it again, and it was you hideous. You look completely lost in your face right now. When I'm, I mean, you yeah, Tony like Stewart's house looks hideous. I saw, right it on, I saw it on Sky Speed, and you're right. So, it was hideous. Yeah, so uh, if, for those that uh, are interested and want to take a look, it is on um, Speed Cafe at the moment. There's a story there, uh, and there's a few pictures of it as well. And um, he is, it's called Hidden Hollow, Stephen. That's the name of it. Hidden Hollow, hidden. and it's uh, going for forty million Australian dollars. Let, let, it, let it remain mansion. hidden. Let it remain hidden. We've got one minute left. Okay, just quickly. Is it? We've got one minute left. Okay, of the just show? cut me off. That's fine. And no, I'm right. cutting you're you off because just, we didn't talk yeah. about Louise Sharp. We've remember I said we were supposed to talk about last right, thanks. week. Thanks, Stephen. So right. we've got forty. You got forty nine seconds. Tell us about Louise Sharp quickly. Well, I uh, did see the press release come out today. It was uh, sent through, and uh, with Carlin Motorsports. So Trevor Carlin, uh, absolute uh, icon. Uh, race team manager and owner um, has young Louis Sharp running in the British Formula 4 championship this season. He left uh, on the weekend. He's already there. I think he's testing tomorrow uh, for his first time in an F4 car and uh, he is uh, on a charge, young, young Louis. Uh, Mr. David Dicker, Roden Cars, is giving him the opportunity to go through all the stepping stones and maybe make it to Formula 1 and follow Liam Lawson. So uh, good luck to him when we will follow him. And stop waving your finger well, around Well, I'm trying to say, right? I'm trying to tell wrap me, the show and you Tell me to go and do something. Because Daniel and Raph are ready to go And with then the all you do is just start oh, using your we, finger. Oh, we're done. Okay?